market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once, it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. Any political party in this chamber that was confident in their arguments around independence would not be desperate to deny the people of Scotland the right to make that choice. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, the Scotsman's political podcast. My name's Conor Matchett, I'm the Deputy Political Editor at the paper. With me this week, as always, is our Political Editor, Alistair Grant. Alistair, it's been another long week in Scottish politics with the SNP leadership campaign and contest taking twists and turns every day. Um, How are you? How has it been? Have you enjoyed the last week? It's been a pretty extraordinary week in the SNP leadership contest, which we will come on to talk about, but it's just not a week that I think uh, anyone will really forget anytime soon. It's it's basically the week that the SNP leadership race turned dirty. It was an absolutely brutal TV debate on Tuesday on STV. Um, Genuinely extremely entertaining watch if you are just an observer like we are journalists it was great for journalists probably not so good if you are an SNP party bigwig uh, if you are Nicola Sturgeon and she says she didn't watch it but she if she had I'm sure she would have been watching through her fingers uh, but we can come on to talk about this but what a week absolutely we'll hear also later on in the podcast from Alexander Brown our Westminster correspondent who will update you at home on all things small boats and Gary Lineker I don't know how we're managing to to get football into this um, other than his obviously now infamous tweet that led the 10 o'clock news, I think, on, on Wednesday night. So we'll, we'll come to that. But Alistair, you've mentioned it already. Um, Tuesday evening, nine o'clock, saw the first of, I think, four TV debates from STV, hosted by Colin Mackay, um, who did a fantastic job himself with dealing with the three candidates. But as you, as you alluded to, the gloves came off and the three candidates, Ash Reagan, Kate Forbes, and Tom Yusuf, tore shreds out of each other. It was astonishing. It was completely, uh, yeah, I mean, astonishing is a word. It was like watching a boxing match or something. It had that same sense yeah. of uh, kind of guilty adrenaline about it. Um, but it was just incredible. Uh, as you say, it was the first TV debate of the SNP leadership contest. We spoke about this a little bit in last week's podcast, and there was an expectation that it might be quite interesting because there was a section in which the candidates cross-examine each other. And if you think back to the Tory leadership contest in the summer, it's when the candidates cross-examine each other that you sometimes get sparks beginning to fly. So we thought it would be interesting, but I don't think anyone thought it was going to be as brutal as it was, Um, particularly from Kate Forbes, who, it's safe to say, trashed the record of her main rival, Hamza Youssef. Um, She said, and I'll just get the quote up here because it's worth reading out, you've had a number of jobs in government, when you were a transport minister, the trains were never on time. When you were justice minister, the police were strained to breaking point. And now as health minister, we've got record high waiting times. And then essentially asked him, why do you think you'll do a better job as first minister? And this was obviously a, a strategy from Kate Forbes to go in hard because in her kind of opening remarks, her remarks right at the start of the programme, uh, she made the comment that more of the same is not a manifesto. It is an acceptance of mediocrity which was both a dig at Hamza Yusuf, who is seen as a continuity candidate, but also 
I dig it. Nicola Sturgeon, who's been in charge of the government, uh, in charge of the the Scottish government. So if, if, if more of the same is an acceptance of mediocrity, you're calling the current government mediocre. Uh, so it was just completely astonishing. And to be fair, Hamza Yusuf did hit back. So I think he had a go at Kate Forbes for uh, caving in to the UK government over its decision to block Scotland's gender reforms. You know, he said, how can anybody trust you to stand up for the Scottish people? He also highlighted her, uh, the rocky start, to say the least, to her campaign, uh, which basically was consumed by this row over Kate Forbes' views on gay marriage and her socially conservative religious views. Um, and he basically said that you can't even keep yes voters on side. You know, he was talking about her losing support from the SNP politicians or some of the SNP politicians that had come out in support of her. So it was just extremely messy. And then at the side of this, you've got Ash Reagan, the kind of outsider candidate, self-confessed outsider candidate, essentially rubbishing the independence strategies of the two other the two other hopefuls and it, calling them wishy-washy, basically saying they're not up to anything, that she's the only one with a plan for independence. It was just a complete, yeah, it was absolutely brutal to watch. Uh, and I think it took everyone aback, really. Um, I think the interesting thing has been some of the fallout from it. So you've had people like Shona Robeson, Shona Robeson, sorry, who um, is seen as quite close to Nicola Sturgeon, basically saying that, raising concerns about this. Uh, I haven't read his blog yet, but I think you've got Pete Wishart, um, one of the longest, in fact, the longest serving SNP politician, SNP MP. And I think he's basically raising concerns about the, just the extent of trashing the record of the government uh, in this contest. So it's very much the week that the gloves came off. And uh, I mean, you watched it as well. What, what did you make of it? I mean, I, I genuinely, I, I, I don't know about how you, Alistair, and you at home listening to this podcast approach TV debates, but I always approach them kind of assuming that I'm going to be bored out of my skull for about an hour. Um, <laughs> because quite frankly, certainly when when these started in the, in the UK general elections, um, particularly back in 2010, that's the first one I really remember watching and knowing what was really going on. They were pretty dull. Like they were, they're not often dramatic, but I felt like I was, you know, sat watching a, uh, an elongated like bonus episode of House of Cards or, you know, the West Wing where, you know, this hyper dramatized approach to taking on the, uh, your your fellow colleague um, over, over a leadership battle is the sort of thing that I think we all knew, particularly, you know, political observers who speak to SNP figures a lot. You know, we all knew that discussions like this have been going on within the SNP in private for a long time. It's no secret that there's concern about the independent strategy around, you know, that was brought forward by Nicola Sturgeon. There's no secret that there's parts of the party that would prefer, you know, to ditch the Scottish Greens and move on in, into the economy, into building a stronger economy and use that as a way of building independent support. And it's no secret that there's plenty of people who think what Nicola Sturgeon has done for the last eight years is exactly how the SNP wins independence. However, seeing it, you know, written on each of the candidates' boxing gloves and then thumping the other one over the head with them was not the way that I expected that debate to go. Um, I have to say, I think I mentioned at the start, but shout out to Colin Mackay, who, you know, it's always a positive when you've got a host who you think can take, take on the people who are there and won't take any nonsense from them. Um, but Colin barely had to poke any of the three bears um, they seem to just 
go off on one by themselves. It was the height of political entertainment. Um, we've got another debate coming today, um, which it will will have happened by the time this podcast comes out, and I, I sincerely doubt that's going to be anywhere near as good. Yeah, I mean, that's why I was going to say there. I think the remarkable thing about this, I mean, Colin Mackay is a brilliant broadcaster, a brilliant journalist, but he barely had to do anything. The candidates just uh, laid into each other of, of their own accord. Again, particularly Kate Forbes. There were some good interjections from Colin Mackay, but he didn't have to stir that up in that way. I thought probably some of the surprise came from the fact that the party hustings that we've had so far, the kind of events where the three candidates address SNP members, have been quite boring for observers. They've been quite stale. Some of the questions, no offence to those asking them, not great for journalists, quite softball questions sometimes. And I think it's just going from that to this was just night and day. Uh, and I think this is probably a lot more enlightening as well if you're a member of the public watching this, or even to be honest, an SNP member, you were left in no doubt after that 70 minutes was over where the candidates stand, what their views are on things and what the differences are between them. So in, in that regard, it was it was a real injection of energy into the debate. After we hear from Alex, we'll touch on kind of some warnings that have been have come off the back of the last couple of weeks from senior SNP figures of split. We'll come back to that. Um, but what I wanted to ask ask you, Alistair, and kind of explore a little bit was, you know, how helpful these attacks are for whoever wins. Because my view is that, you know, particularly Kate Forbes' attack, you've mentioned it, that word mediocrity, um, provides a, a validation of everything that Scottish Labour in particular and Scottish, Scottish Conservatives have been saying about the last 15 years of, of SNP government. Whoever wins this is in deep, deep trouble of having to justify what has gone prior to them. Yeah, I think one of the interesting things is that I went to a, a press event with Kate Forbes the day after, the morning after this debate, uh, and she was basically unrepentant about what she'd said, uh, was kind of saying things that she has the honesty to point out that more of the same won't cut it, um, that this is basically a robust debate and the party's big enough to be able to cope with it. Uh, but it was clearly a, a strategy from her point of view. It wasn't just that people got carried away. This is something that she deliberately went into that debate wanting to do. Uh, and I think you're right in the sense that, I mean, we're recording this on Thursday. First Minister's questions happened literally a couple of hours ago. And Douglas Ross just made complete hay with Kate Forbes' comments. His entire uh, section of FMQs was dominated by just quoting what she'd said and, you know, putting it to... Nicholas Sturgeon and just having fun from his point of view. Anna Sarwar made reference to them as well. Um, so opposition are clearly, I mean, I, I, I would not be surprised if her comments end up in Tory leaflets in the future, <laughs> particularly those, the ones about the tree, Hamza Yusuf's record. So yeah, I mean, it's the opposition will definitely, will definitely make hay with it and have done already. I think one of the difficult things is that I'm not sure the extent to which SNP members themselves will take that kind of thing kindly. Um, at the end of the day, they're the ones voting in this contest. There is about 100,000 of them. And to be fair, we don't know all that much about them. I think Kate Forbes' team are evidently banking on a lot of them or, or enough of them feeling the way that she does, the way that uh, their campaign is presenting itself. Um, but Will SNP voters really like a leadership candidate saying that the record of the current government or implying that the record of the current government is mediocre? We, we do know that Nicola Sturgeon has been popular with SNP members, so I'm just not sure the extent to which that is 
a wise road to go down. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think as well, you look at um, how the, the, the split in how the candidates are, are, are viewed by voters in particular. And there was a poll out today from Ipsos um, for Channel 4 prior to the Channel 4 debate, which you know demonstrates that Kate Forbes is the most popular among um, all voters to be the next first minister, whereas Hamza Youssef is the most popular among SNP voters to be the next first minister. But only just, and there is a question there. Only just, very, very, very close. Um, but there is a question there about how the two. What what is the best move next for the SNP strategically? Do they choose someone who is pro their own record and believes that they can continue, you know? following that 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 direction or do they go for someone who might annoy quite a lot of their existing voting base but might expand that broad church that the SNP has always classically been i think you can definitely see who the conservatives fear the most and that's kate forbes they always attack her or in the last couple of weeks they've attacked her during fmqs they maybe see her as someone that could take some votes away from the conservatives i thought the other interesting thing was the the poll actually that was out Yesterday on, on Wednesday, at the time we are recording this, um, which basically showed that independence had taken a hit, support for the SNP seemed to be taking a hit. And I think that poll was went out in the field, I think, I think I'm right in saying it was March 6th and 7th, so it was actually just before uh, this SDV leadership debate. But it, it does seem to show that Nicola Sturgeon's resignation in this leadership race is not having a positive effect on the SNP. And I think that's something they will be worried about. And you're quite right that the next SNP leader is going to have to deal with a number of things. When we spoke last week about the various problems in the Scottish government at the moment, um, but there's also just this wider sense that you know you've got Keir Starmer, who seems like the next prime minister. You've got kind of boosts for Labour in the back of that. You had polls, recent polls showing that having an effect in Scotland and Labour gaining support, albeit the SNP are still well ahead of them. But there is perhaps a sense that the SNP could be on a bit of a precipice here and that there could be uh, the beginning of a, a downward slump and whoever is the next SNP leader will want, to, will want to knock that in the head pretty quickly. Absolutely. Well, let's shift very quickly to Westminster and hear from Alex Brown, our Westminster correspondent, who will update us in all the things that happened down south over the week. Hello and welcome back to the Westminster section of the podcast. My name is Alexander Brown. I'm the Scotsman's Westminster correspondent, which is quite convenient given that's a section of the podcast. This week, I quite fortunately was on holiday, but I returned just in time from lovely sunny Spain to hear Rishi Sunak deliver his speech about stopping the boats, something we've heard from consecutive prime ministers, none of whom have actually managed to deal with the migrant crisis. This latest plan is seemingly to <laughs> essentially uh, ban anyone from claiming asylum, any adult from claiming asylum, regardless of their rights. Uh, it's been described as unworkable, illegal, and in, even in government documents, it's, there seems to be a quiet admission that there's no way of announcing this without it without, and, and explaining how it doesn't break the law, because to all extents and purposes, it looks or at least it appears like it may be breaking international law. Now, not only is, has this been announced, but the Prime Minister then is going to France, so maybe by the time you're hearing this, 
who will be announcing a deal with Macron, uh, Emmanuel Macron, paying their France millions of pounds every year to put more boots on the ground, you know, have more people guarding the French beaches to stop people coming to Britain, which would be a fantastic policy and a boost for this if it wasn't for the fact that there are already French police on, on the ground trying to stop that happening. It is about showing that he's doing something rather than actually expecting anything to happen. And you can tell that this bill is not particularly strong because the government are planning to have a second reading on Monday next week, suggesting that they're essentially they're trying to get it through as quickly as possible without scrutiny and are not so confident in it, which is not surprising given the routine condemnation from human rights groups, lawyers, uh, the European Union, um, and you know other figures who don't necessarily have a horse in this race. This, of course, all paired in significance to Gary Lineker, who made the mistake of tweeting uh, criticism of the bill and comparing it to some of the language in Nazi Germany. Now, there was uniform condemnation from the Conservatives over this. It's been on the front page of the right-wing tabloids. But, you know, uh, Lord Dubbs, who came here on the Kinder Transport, tweeted his support. Uh, and several historians have also said that the language is similar. So, I... I'm not sure it's great for government optics. Regardless of what you think about Gary Lineker and the, any bias at BBC, the idea that a headline saying UK government angry as it's compared to the Nazis is a good thing for the UK government is for the birds. That's very, very silly and clearly a sign that this has not gone as it should have done for them. But either way, I'm looking forward to getting any semblance of detail at any point on this because at the moment there is absolutely none. And as soon as there is, you'll be able to read all about it and hear all about it at scotsman.com. Until then, I've been Alexander Brown. Thank you for listening. So thank you very much to Alex Brown for that fantastic update from the House of Commons and the wider SW1 postcode. I referenced it earlier, but the SNP leadership debate has been characterised by talks of splits in the party. We had Mary Black this week say that she didn't know, but you know it could happen. It, it's it's a risk for the party. And I did a little bit of digging into the the, the poll of the members, for example, of the SNP that Savanta did for the Telegraph earlier on the week, and the divide within the party on who they want to see as the next first minister is incredibly stark. For those who are interested, you know, you've got basically everyone over the age of 55 wants Kate's Fo- Kate Forbes as first minister and everyone under the age of 55 wants Hamza Yusuf as first minister. It is a generational choice and a generational split. What do you make of those kind of concerns? You know, we've 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 heard it from others as well. I've heard it in private, and I've heard it in you know, off-the-record comments that that we've we've reported on, particularly when it comes to the idea of splitting the co-op deal with the Greens. But do you think it's actually a genuine possibility? There's a couple of things I'd say. I mean, the first thing is just on the the point you were making there about the generational split. I think that's probably one of the things that Kate Forbes Kate Forbes's campaign will be relying on. I mean, what we do know about SNP members is that they tend to be more middle class, older than the average, maybe over 50. Uh, and if those people are going towards her, that's something that her campaign will will be very happy with. Um, I think on the broader point about this idea of a split, 
Uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, a bunch of us actually spoke to Nicola Sturgeon just after FMQs as she came out of the, the Holyrood chamber and asked her about this idea of a split or a civil war in the SNP. And she was essentially, you know, as you'd expect, saying that there's no prospect of that and, you know, there's no civil war. But she was essentially making the point this is the first SNP leadership race in almost 20 years. And she was saying that people just aren't used to it and that this is actually just internal democracy at work. I think it seems unlikely that there would be a split, but there would certainly be people who would be unhappy if Kate Forbes won. I think she, again, at that event I went to on Wednesday morning, was actually asked, you know, if party members choose you, should SNP MSPs, you know, roll in behind you? And that, that, that is her view, that basically the mandate comes from the members uh, and that politicians are answerable, answerable to their branches. There is certainly a degree of unease, I think I'd put it that way, in the SNP. Um, and I think particularly when I was speaking to people in Holyrood after that debate in STV, it, it was that comment that Kate Forbes made about mediocrity that was really winding people up. That was the one that caused a lot of the anger. I think people were angry at the the attack on Hamza Yusuf, the extent of it, certainly his supporters were. But it's that mediocrity comment and the kind of implication that the government that Nicholas Sturgeon was in charge in charge of is kind of not worth anything really is is the thing that was really winding people up so there is a lot of unease there is a lot of unease um i certainly think that cooperation agreement with the greens i wouldn't really see surviving long under kate forbes or ash reagan even if ash reagan seems somewhat more unlikely to be successful in this race um whereas hamza yusuf has made it a central plank of his pitch really that he would continue that um so there are real divisions i mean this is one of the things I would say about this is that newspapers often go on about an SNP civil war, an SNP infighting, and it's usually just based on uh, the usual suspects, to put it that way, people like Joanna Cherry, who are often critical of the current Scottish government leadership. But in this case, it's genuinely true that there are huge divisions breaking out into the open in a way that we are just not used to. Uh, and it can't really be emphasised enough how unusual it is to have two cabinet ministers to people who sit around the cabinet table laying into each other in public like this. Absolutely. And it's, it's worth going back, actually. You mentioned, you know, that Nicholas Sturgeon said that there's no civil war. Um, I think it's fair to point out that in 2021, she was also denying the existence of a civil war and then lost several thousand members to an upstart pro-independence party um, led by her predecessor, Alex Hammond, in, in the form of the Albert Party, who obviously we know has has not turned out turned into a serious credible force in Scottish politics yet but they've got two MPs that previously were were SNP MPs you know the the prospect of an SNP split i think is more real than people realize given that it's already happened to a degree um in the in the last couple of years it is interesting though isn't it that we do have for the first time a full on yellow on yellow fight and I wonder how much Hamza Yusuf regrets when I, I asked him on Friday last week, um, and this is in relation to the fact that Kate Forbes, while she was a, a cabinet minister prior to her maternity leave, that she was at the cabinet meeting where the GRR bill was signed off. She didn't object to it. Um, and since she's come out you know, saying that the, the bill wasn't something she could have voted for under collective responsibility, which is what all cabinet ministers have to abide by, that would have probably meant in normal terms, she would have had to have resigned. Hamza Yusuf made it very clear when I asked him about this was that his view 
is that you have a leadership debate and there should be space for people to have differing opinions. I wonder if he may well regret that, given how much of a free pass it's given both of his rivals to trash the record of the government he wants to lead. Well, I mean, I think he probably didn't expect the race to maybe go in the direction it has done. Yeah, it, it, it's extraordinary. We're, we're just not used to seeing this this level of infighting openly in the SNP, and it is it is quite something. So I know we don't do predictions, but I'm going to make you do a prediction. The voting opens on Monday. We've got another two TV debates as well next week, both BBC and Sky are doing one. Who do you at this stage think is the favourite to win? So I would probably say... Hamza Yusuf, but I would caveat that by saying, again, these things are very unpredictable. We don't really know where it's going to go. I think Ash Reagan, if we get to the stage of second preferences, you know, her second preferences are probably likely to go to Kate Forbes. We don't know how, may, how many votes Ash Reagan would get and whether that would actually make that much of an impact. I definitely say Hamza Yusuf is the favourite at the moment. But again, we, we just don't know. And, and Kate Forbes uh, had a we spoke about this, you know, Rocky is an understatement. She had a disastrous start to her campaign. It was completely consumed by a subject she didn't really want to talk about that basically led to her hemorrhaging support from people who'd already come out for her. But she's kind of come back from that. And now she, you know, the poll today, essentially neck and neck among the SNP uh, voters that were polled as part of that poll. Um, so, yeah, it's it's quite hard. It's quite hard to say. And I think there are still... You know, this this contest goes on until March 27th. There's still quite a long time to go. Uh, and we've just seen from that debate on Tuesday how there can be unexpected twists in the road. Um, so who knows? If I'm, I, given I've forced you to do it, I should force myself to do it as well. I think you're broadly spot on. I think the only thing I would add to that is if Hamza Yusuf fails to get over that 50% mark on first preferences, I think Kate Forbes wins even though Hamza has the most first preferences. I think that's the real potential um, problem um, going forward. And it'll be interesting to see how the SNP deals with the second least popular or second most popular, depending on how optimistic you are, um, if they end up winning despite the most popular um, option narrowly missing out on first preferences. I think that'll be a, a test of the SNP's internal uh, democracy and its ability to stick by the result, because I think I think there's a lot of MSPs who will who might view that as a as a as a reason to leave and a and a, a reason to seriously consider their future. Right, that's all we've got time for this week on the Steamy. Thank you, Alistair, very much for joining us. Thank you to Alex as well. A reminder that the best way to find out when the Steamy has gone live is to sign up to a newsletter. Um, you can go to scotsman.com slash newsletter, tick the little politics box, and you should get an email two or three times a week from the Scotsman's political team. You can also sign up to one of our many other top quality newsletters as well, such as sport, news, weather, all the fun things that come from the good ship Scotsman. Um, thank you very much, Alistair, again. And thank you very much at home for listening. Bye-bye.